body for volunteering in New South Wales. Grow communities and bring people together through volunteering. You're listening to Let's Talk Volunteering, a podcast about best practices in volunteer management. I'm your host, Dr. Ben Hillier, and today I'm talking to Janet Irvin from SSI about diverse and inclusive volunteering. Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Ben Hillier, I'm the Director of Research, Policy and Advocacy for the Centre for Volunteering, and I'm going to be your host on this episode of Let's Talk Volunteering. This episode will cover National Standard 4 of the Volunteering Framework for those of you that follow it, and it'll give you some practical ideas for how your organisation can meet these standards and strengthen your volunteering practice. Today we're talking with Janet Irvin of Settlement Services International about the importance of diversity, equity and inclusivity in volunteer-involving organisations. Janet has over 30 years' experience working in this area and enjoys working with a diverse range of organisations to understand their needs and deliver learning solutions. Janet, would you like to introduce yourself and give a bit of an overview of your work relating to diversity and volunteering? Sure, Ben. As you said, I work at Settlement Services International and work within a social enterprise of SSIs, which is SSI diversity training, and we provide diversity inclusion training for corporates, government, non-government, with the aim of, I guess, creating a society and creating conversations where people can explore the diversity of our people and engage with diversity in really positive ways. Fantastic. Thanks. So these terms diversity, equity and inclusivity are ideas that get thrown around a lot these days. What do they mean practically when you're applying them in a volunteering context? Yeah, they do get spoken about a lot and you often hear them with the acronym DNI, DNI. But I think sometimes, you know, we understand them at a bit too shallow a level without thinking about the meaning of all of those words that there's quite a lot of meaning behind each of those words. I've heard it summarised as diversity is the fact, equity is a choice, inclusion is the action and belonging is the outcome that we're looking for. And I guess, you know, with diversity inclusion work and it growing across the sectors, sometimes we don't get much further than thinking about that first one, diversity. And we might think of it in terms of quotas or just trying to attract a bunch of whole different people into our organisation. That, that is part of it. You know, obviously, you know, in Australia now, diversity is a fact. One in two of us were either born overseas or have at least one parent who was born overseas. So, you know, if our workforce and our volunteer pools aren't reflecting who we are as Australians, we should be asking that the question, why don't we really? Because, I mean, we often talk about mainstream in inverted commas, mainstream Australia, but Uh, you know, mainstream Australia is multicultural now. Mm. So we need to ask that question if our workforce doesn't reflect uh, who we are. And that's where equity comes in. We know there's a lot of barriers out there for people who are from migrant and refugee backgrounds um, when it comes to accessing services, accessing work opportunities, and even just opportunities to contribute and participate in society through things like volunteering. And I guess historically, this diversity, equity and inclusion work 
this equity piece is because it comes out of that human rights framework and a belief that everyone should have the opportunity to participate in society and be valued for who they are as an individual and what they can bring to our communities. In that sense, you know, equity is a choice. I make decisions every day, small and large, that'll lead to me acting in ways that either reflect my belief that every person has value and has a contribution, or I may make a choice that doesn't enable that or doesn't reflect that belief. So this piece is very much about being reflective about ourselves and asking ourselves those sometimes uncomfortable questions. Do I really believe this person has value that they can bring to my organisation? Or am I just ticking a box in this instance and building up the diversity of my people? And so if we choose equity, you know, as that second piece, then the next step is that action to ways that we build and create inclusion in our organisations and our volunteering programs. You know, how are we acting in ways that open the door, that address the barriers that people might experience and might be preventing them from being able to participate and engage in our volunteering programs? It can't be delivered, I guess, that can't be addressed by one person, a volunteering manager. Um, It needs Mm -hmm. to be multi-layered. It needs commitment from their leadership. It needs commitment from the organisation in building and embedding systems and structures that support inclusive practice across the organisation, inclusive recruitment practices, as well as supporting those individuals to build their capabilities to act in inclusive ways. So it needs to be that multi-tier level level approach. Right. That sounds like something that can be quite a complex thing to implement sometimes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I think with more and more recognition of the importance of this work and the complexity of that work, organisations are investing in people to lead that work because they recognise it's not something that someone can just pop on to their job, you know, as an added extra, Mm. that it does require someone who can drive that work and monitor that work, coordinate that work across the organisation with their leaders and with their people. Right. What are some of the common barriers or reasons for not uh, following through on these diverse, equitable and inclusive practices that you see people talking about? Sometimes it can be challenging to understand the benefits of diversity in our workforce. I think sometimes there's a reluctance to change because it does require changing the way that we do things and being open Mm. to the way that we do things. Also, because those barriers are sometimes structural, those structures benefit some people and don't benefit others, create barriers for others. And so if you're someone like myself, who's white Anglo-Australian, a lot of those structures have benefited me. It takes work for me to become more aware of what are the barriers that other people are experiencing. I don't see um, those doors that are closed to others because they're open to me. Some things are easy for me. So it does require us to stop and think and listen to those who are feeling excluded to understand where those barriers are. So that takes time. And currently, you know, the common catch crime work is we're too busy. We're too busy to Mm. be able to take that time. But I think that is also linked to the fact that do we really believe that there are benefits in what other people can bring who may be different from us and what they can bring to us. So sometimes it can be perceived if we're um, bringing someone into an organisation who might live with disability, um, who is from a culturally and linguistically diverse background, may not have perfect proficiency in English, that it's going to be time consuming to train that person, that it's going to be too much work, it's just going to add to my workload. Mm. There's not an understanding that there will be benefits 
for them as a worker as well. I guess what we see in our organisation is with our volunteer workforce is how much they bring to our staff in terms of the learning that they have from those volunteers who bring a whole range of experience from other places in the world, from other life experiences that enable us to get that different perspective and problems that we might have been struggling with for months, perhaps years, they may have a different perspective on how that could be solved. And we would never have come to that if we didn't have that diversity within within our workforce. Right. Often that reluctance is this seemingly, you know, we can convince ourselves that it's going to be too much work. But at the core of that, you know, we have to ask ourselves, do we see value in what our volunteers bring? Because if we do, you know, relationships do take time. Bringing someone on board does take time, whether they're paid or unpaid. But it's believing that that person has something to offer. Right. So is it sort of one of those circumstances where you'd, it'd be great if everyone was intrinsically motivated to value these things. But even if you're looking at it extrinsically, there are still these benefits to your organisation and to your team. Yeah, oh, absolutely. There's plenty of evidence out there around inclusion and the benefits of inclusion. There's lots of cases out there for the business case for having a diverse workforce and building that inclusion. Now, I say those two things because having a diverse workforce doesn't bring these benefits. It's only unlocked when you build inclusion within your workforce. And inclusion means that people feel connected, that they feel like they can contribute, that they feel like their ideas, etc., are being valued and respected and that they feel like they can progress in an organisation. This is what uh, the research from Diversity Council of Australia is saying, that people in inclusive teams feel that. And when they feel that, the benefits to the business are that people are more satisfied. They're less likely to leave. So there's less loss in re-recruitment. They're more likely to work harder. You know, do that little bit of extra for for the business. And, you know, if there are clients or customers of, of an organisation, then they're more likely to get a better service when, pe- when their staff and their pay- both paid and unpaid are feeling included and valued. Yes, right. there's lots of business case out there for it. Right. That's really, really interesting. So how would a volunteer organisation go about recruiting this diverse range of volunteers and then building that inclusion that's really important to, I suppose, capitalising on that for want of a better term? Look, there's all the usual ways in terms of building and attracting, I guess, uh, volunteers to your organisation. At SSI, I guess, some of the strategies we use are advertising for specific roles. And they might be specific roles that are looking for particular cultural knowledge or language skills. And so sometimes we might go out and advertise specifically for that role. And we might use, you know, usual strategies like seat volunteering, but we might also do it through community radio, going out to community leaders, partnering with other uh, organisations, multicultural organisations or community organisations out there to fill those roles. That kind of partnership building that you can do with other organisations to attract those diverse communities into your workforce. I mean, the other thing, you know, that is one of our strengths and a real benefit for attracting a diverse volunteer base is our staff are representative of the community, our paid staff. So 70%, 71% of our staff were born overseas. Right. We, I guess, ignite the word of mouth through our staff to attract people from those communities. And some of our volunteers go on to work for SSI. So there are opportunities for career progression. And when they're in that volunteer environment, we try and place them in roles that are also meeting 
their goals and their needs and their skill set in order to make it a more satisfying experience for them. What we find in multicultural communities is word of mouth is one of the most powerful ways of promoting any program, whether it's volunteering or whether it's a service delivery program. And so that is about building relationships with your community. Our volunteer program is within our community engagement team. And so it is based within uh, those frameworks of engaging with communities in respectful ways and genuine ways, ethical ways. Having that placement within our organisation positions the program in a very good way to access those communities. And what about in terms of building that inclusion? Are there particular challenges you see with organisations when they try to build inclusion? Oh, there's lots of challenges to building inclusion. Some of it we've, we've already talked about in terms of what can be some of the barriers to inclusion. If it needs to be leadership-led, we talked about you know, the different levels. So there needs to be a commitment to leadership. And that that includes things like, you know, does your website, do you reflect the diversity of our people? Does your um, mission or vision statement include comment around respect and valuing diversity? Do you have someone leading diversity inclusion within the organisation? Do you have roles that are responsible for building inclusion within the organisation? And so that leadership from the top is really important uh, and from the different leadership levels across the organisation. Then structurally, you obviously need to be thinking about what are the systems and processes that will support that. You know, do you have policies around diversity inclusion that protect the rights of people within the organisation and state um, the expected behaviour within an organisation? So one of the things that we sometimes talk about in our training is it's not necessarily about changing someone's personal belief about a particular issue, but it is about the ways that we behave with each other, the ways that we act. And it is about that those behaviours are inclusive and respectful of others, no matter whether we have agreement around certain beliefs and that that is a common understanding across our people. In recruitment, do we have practices in place and training for people who are hiring and managing that recruitment practice around unconscious bias? And do we have systems in place to minimise the impact of unconscious bias? So there's those sort of systemic things that need to be in place. Do we have information available in other languages about our volunteering programs? Do we, at the individual capability level with with our staff, do we support them to grow their understanding around how do we build our capabilities to be more culturally responsive. So we talk about being culturally responsive, which we feel is slightly different from how traditionally we might've talked about people needing to be culturally aware or culturally sensitive. Whilst that's an important part of it, perhaps the most important part is our reflection of ourselves as cultural beings, that everybody has a culture We are all cultural human beings and culture influences everything we do, Uh, the way we interpret other people's behaviours, the assumptions we make when we go into an interaction with someone. As someone who is a volunteer manager, for example, interviewing someone from the community who's interested in being a volunteer, we need to be aware of the power that position holds because we have something that someone else wants, even at a basic level. 
So there is a power difference there, but there could also be a variety of other things that give us more power in that situation. So I may have greater English language proficiency. I know how the organisation works. I have the whole organisation behind me who uh, are backing me. And so when I have that elevated power, I often have more influence over the outcome of that interview than the person who's being interviewed. And so I need to be aware of that when I'm going into that and try and manage, because if I make an assumption about what someone has said and interpret it through my own cultural viewfinder, whether it's that I interpret them as rude or I interpret them as not giving me enough information, so that's a little bit suspicious, whatever it might be, all of these little things can happen in an interview process. And I don't question that or seek to elaborate that with the person, but make a judgment. That judgment can immediately create a barrier for that person to be able to access that volunteering opportunity. Right. So we've spoken a lot about uh, culturally and linguistically diverse communities and that aspect of diversity, equity, inclusivity. Are there other areas where these ideas of diversity, equity and inclusivity apply, such as gender and sexual orientation, uh, religious affiliation, these kinds of things? Yeah, well, I mean, if you talk about diversity, we're all diverse. So mm. I, I guess my initial comment and on that is it's about us. Diversity, uh, equity and inclusion work should benefit everyone. It's not about particular groups having rights over other people or greater opportunities over others. If we're do, doing diversity, equity and inclusion work, it needs to be thinking about everyone. When we think about equity, it's not equality. So it's not the same options for everyone. So if we're doing an interview with someone, we want to be able to provide equity of them being able to provide their best selves in that moment. Yep. And that might be different for different people, depending on what sort of adjustments they may need for that particular interview. So equity, I think sometimes gets mixed up with equality. In saying that, if it's not safe for people from a, a particular religious background in an organisation that they're experiencing discrimination, then it's not going to feel safe for other people who may feel vulnerable to discrimination. They will look on and they will notice that that's happening to that group of people and they'll think, well, is it going to be safe for me as a person with disability? Is it going to be safe for me as someone who's gender and sexually diverse? It has to always be thinking about that diversity of people in our community and that certain groups of people, there may be commonalities around adjustments. But at the end of the day, we always have to work with the person who's in front of us because there will be different needs for each individual mm. around what adjustments they may need from us. Right. Brilliant. Is there anything else around these topics you'd like to comment on or discuss? I guess for me, at the end of the day, diversity, equity and inclusion work. We did talk about, you know, there's definitely a business case for diversity, equity and inclusion work. And that can be really helpful when we're trying to encourage an organisation or a leadership group to see the benefit in building a diversity, equity and inclusion strategy. But mm. I think at the end of the day, you can't lose sight of the equity piece and bringing people along to see the value for everyone. That it's not about supporting them, those other people, that it is about believing in the value of us. We've got to move away from this concept of there's us and them, this mindset, that it is about the value of us as an organisation, as a volunteering program, 
as a community. And we need to spend time with people who we might perceive are different from us. We need to get out of our comfort zone and become better at being open and curious and sitting in that discomfort and not knowing everything and embracing the mistake as an opportunity to learn. One of the barriers that we didn't talk about is that sometimes people just feel frightened that they're going to make a fool of themselves or they're going to cause offence or they're going to make a mistake. Being able to see that those mistakes, you can return from those, you can learn from those, you can apologise for them. You can't know everything about everybody, but if you don't engage, you're never going to see the benefits of it. You're not going to get to enjoy the incredible opportunity we have here in Australia and our society with the diversity of people we have. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Janet, for sharing your advice and expertise today. I really appreciate your time. Uh, What can people do if they want to find out more about your work or about diverse, equitable and inclusive volunteering? Yeah, well, there's lots of places you can go to find out about diversity, equity, inclusion. Possibly a great resource is the Diversity Council of Australia, their Inclusion at Work Index. If you're wanting to have a look at the state of inclusion in in Australia and get a baseline on what we're talking about for different groups of people. That's that's a really great resource. If you're wanting to get in contact with us, we're always open for a chat. So you can give us a call at SSI or email us at um, diversitytraining at ssi.org.au. What we love to do, we provide uh, face-to-face online trainings. We also have an e-module, but we like to have a conversation with people about what their needs are, what they're trying to achieve in their organisation and see if we can work alongside them to find uh, a learning option that suits them. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Janet. I hope the uh, listeners have found today's show interesting. If this is uh, something you're keen for, please look into the work that SSI do and the resources that Janet mentioned. And I look forward to seeing or hearing our listeners on our next episode. Bye for now. You've been listening to Voices of Volunteering, presented by the Centre for Volunteering. For resources, tools, training and news, head over to our website, volunteering.com.au.